we're back. Yeah, this is crazy. That's wild. I think I, I think I caught it maybe yesterday after the whole uh, AI conversation, music AI conversation. Yeah. And uh, we're on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Post on Twitter. It's funny, but just before we watch it, I brought up the AI conversation. I showed my kids uh, that music, and they were both bopping their heads, and they're just like, uh, "I didn't, I didn't execute the fooling part properly." Okay. Like when my first kid, I was just like too deep into the story and excited to like share it. But then with the next one, we both uh, fooled my next kid. Uh huh. And he was just like, oh, that's a pretty cool song. And we were like, hey. <laughs> they were like, turns so, out. Yeah, it turns out. And then he loved the ghostwriter concept. He thought it was hilarious. The guy was in like a ghost suit. And he's like, oh, right, right, right. But both of them agree, like, there's no way you're shutting it down. There's no way you're shutting it down. Take it down. Next one gets uploaded. Take it down. Next one gets uploaded. Tell people they can't hear it. They want to hear it more. Uh-huh. It's uh, the way it works. It's an incentive for people to upload too because they want to get the views. Well, like, look sh- at all these different channels. But it's all that dri- have it. but it's all driven by demand. Yeah. Right? People upload what people want to see, what people want to see sometimes is what they're told not to see. It's it's a really weird psychology to it. Mm-hmm. And Sitting, waiting around, see if if any of these artists themselves respond. Because the yeah. thing was, the the Kanye stuff was going on for a while, for weeks. Like, yeah, nobody still happening. It wasn't really making as much. There were just news. like more memes, like making fun of him with like different covers. Yeah, but having like a completely new song is, and that's actually pretty good. Is something else. What did, by the way, what did uh, Fantano say about it? Did you watch that? I didn't see. I wonder if he's on board. I mean, it seemed like most of the reactions I watched were pretty much the same, which was, but it was right there. That's the only reason I brought it up. It was the third which result. One? The third one? Oh, I didn't see. Right there. Or second one, sorry. Let's see what he said about it. Now we're reacting to a reaction. That's fine. I mean, I like I said, I don't know. There's only so many ways to interpret it. And uh, there's been some wildfire spreading on uh, the Lord's music internet. That would be this uh, new song from an artist, from a creator by the name of Ghostwriter977, who has created a bit of controversy recently uh, with the release of a song titled Heart on My Sleeve. Now, this track currently is being billed as an AI song, an artificial intelligence song, and uh, while I have no doubt there are elements of AI involved in the production of this track, and there is legitimate AI music out there, I do encourage anybody watching because this story is ongoing and developing uh since i originally shot this video that you're watching another drake song another ai drake song has been spreading around instagram it sounds even more convincing and on top of it uh there has been this like ai oasis mixtape that has hit youtube uh called ai sis 
that um, is pretty damn convincing. I mean, the instrumentation from the from what the description says is live and is you know actual real rock instrumentation, but the vocals are AI generated and you know kind of sound like. Liam from back in the day, and it's just like scary accurate. Look, with all these AI projects coming out, I guess I want to say this. While I still stand by my comments about uh, this in a way being a reflection of how lazy a lot of modern music is <laughs> in terms of this technology's ability to uh, so easily copy uh, vocals and okay, try the hearing out try the, the a, while a, that may be a, true, a, this a, stuff a, is just going to advance. And uh, that's that's a story, but we can go into it now. Yeah, go ahead. You can you can just go to it. Yeah, there it is, right there. Okay, so this is AI Oasis. Thirty-two minutes. The lost tapes. Thirty-two minutes, like a whole live performance. Very uh, instrumental heavy. Well, supposedly that that stuff was recorded for real, and then the vocals are generated are right. While the uh, balance is a bit off. Oh, you're talking about the mix? Yeah. It, it could be R. It could be. Yeah. Let's see, he replied, okay, so someone yeah. says, hey, Liam, have you listened to the Aisis uh, album yet? And he says, not the album, heard a tune, it's better than all the other snizzle out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it turns out that he has a good reception over AI. Hmm, for now. And it doesn't say that he embraces it fully, but he thinks it's pretty, like, cool. Shares his thoughts about the lost fake Oasis album that was produced via artificial intelligence. Well, listen, the thing about this is it's cool unless it starts coming for your bottom line. A lot of these, the business yeah, uh, business yeah. around this, uh, around art and music in general is like based on uh, existing catalog, distribution. Obviously, live performances have already taken a bigger role and uh in the like overall structure or overall business model for 
for artists. Part of that being sort of the commodification of music to the extent that everybody's streaming and so forth. So it's one thing now to have a reaction of, oh, this technology is pretty cool. But you have to kind of go through all the implications associated with it and then what that means for the business of music to really figure out what an adequate reaction would be mm-hmm. if the artists figure out a way to leverage it so that they can actually earn something from it, then okay, maybe we've got a case. But if it starts to, if other people are profiting via it, then then you've got record labels. They come looking for their cash. It's the record labels. But the record labels represent the artists. Yeah. So it's Even also- Even if the artist is like big fans of AI, I mean, it's the record labels that affect their bottom line even more so. Well, artists get paid from the record labels. Yeah. Right? So it's both. And artists can kind of say what they want, but so long as they're contracted to that label, the way in which that label goes to police, what it considers to be its asset is kind of up to them. Mm-hmm. I presume that if an artist had very specifically said, don't touch my AI stuff, I don't know how a label would respond to that if they would respect that and all of a sudden this stuff like it's kind of in a way where the short form video sites like tiktok and youtube shorts have they kind of cut deals with record labels to say hey this is good for your music to be used based uh, on exposure i guess and get all these plays and then that will then lead to promotion for that particular artist which then could lead to more opportunity and ticket sales, merchandise, et cetera. Like maybe this is an alteration that occurs. I mean, the unfortunate part is that will the representation remain transparent? Will it continue to be called AI, AI sis, whatever, or will it continue to be called AI Drake? Or will people try to increasingly fool others into believing that some things are actual releases and will people know the difference? Because truthfully, you can. it's at a point now where it's good enough to fool people mm-hmm. and to profit from it. And if, I mean, if we've seen anything on the, on the internet, like in relationship to scamming and bots, and it's rampant, dude. It's impossible to uh-huh. navigate. And so for sure, there's going to be some people that aim to profit from this in such a fashion that's less transparent. I mean, this channel has 3k subscribers and it's garnered over 200,000 views on this video Mm -hmm. and if this person was releasing their own original music that wouldn't be the case obviously Uh uh there's a big sort of marketing element at play there and at this case you know this channel would probably be seeing this works probably making more um, content like this right in order to gain some sort of monetary value well, again, this is all depending upon what the response is and whether there's any type of uh, legal threat or whatever else. Because so far what we've seen is a lot of takedowns and re-uploads. Yeah. And those make it a little bit tough for business. They don't shut it down. And in some cases, they actually amplify the effect, but it makes it difficult for individuals to create businesses around mm-hmm. this type of thing. Uh, Also in the AI realm, we have the photorealistic body cam game. This Uh is apparently an upcoming, well, not necessarily an upcoming game, but an experiment on what a game 
would look like, be like it with some like body cam style effects. So a little more wobble. And it's a first per- it was a first person style game. You have uh, like these kind of fisheye effects around the corners, which it, it you, looks like it's a GoPro footage. Yeah, well, body cam on a yeah. on a cop <clears throat> with a flashlight, or well, tip, typically you would see footage like this from police um, departments. Oh man, yeah, it, it had very real effect to it. I wonder. As realistic as it is, I kind of wonder about the sort of this motion and how comfortable it would be to play for extended periods. Yeah, so this developer said that it's not going to be VR. It's going to be first person, but using mouse and keyboard. So how these motion effects work is very um, confusing, I guess. Because if you look at like a Call of Duty, like everything is one-to-one based on your mouse movement. But here, it looks so convincing because of the sway. The wobble. And animations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so if you, if you like, wow, maneuver yourself in such a way to aim, is it going to be precise or is your aim going to have wobble to it? Uh-huh. So this footage is not real. I just want to say, like, oh. the, like the graphics here are made from um, Unreal Engine Five. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew yeah. that. Yeah, but it looks very convincing. Oh, you mean real, like recorded via? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a game. Yeah. It's this is this. When is I saw it on graphical. Twitter first, I was like, "Yo, this is real." Oh, I see. I was convinced for Got like. You. A couple seconds, and then, and then yeah. I realized, like, oh, okay. Oh, if I didn't have the description and I was just scrolling, my initial reaction would be real. I mean, even the way they scramble the faces. Uh-huh. Where the fuck is Oscar? <sighs> Unrecord. <laughs> I know, it is funny how the parts, the elements that, when once you have such a realistic representation... Of a, like, kind of, well, like a real world camera look, all of a sudden, everything else becomes so much more. You start to analyze other elements, like, what is this cop doing? Uh huh. <laughs> if it's a cop or whoever, yeah. whoever it is you play in this game, if you're a cop wearing a body cam, then it's like, where's the back? Like, you can't help but ask these questions. Uh huh. <laughs> Woodrow James, shout out Woodrow James, SpaceX, Starship, biggest rocket ever at launch, plus exploded. You fellows like good vibes. Watch on the SpaceX front page. I presume you have yeah, this. Well, yeah, it was uh, like two hours ago. Yeah, it was really good. Really, yeah, yeah, no, watch. I saw a bunch of images on Twitter about it. Uh, this is, I mean, yeah, I think if you can execute something like this, this could be a new kind of uh, dimension on first person. Because, mm-hmm. but part of me, oh, I can't help but wonder if. In a first, like, what are the elements of a first-person game that we really like? Is it ultra-realism, or is it, like, an energetic kind of feeling and precision? Because I, I can't help, I mean, this, it, it, would it be a multiplayer? Is it a story mode? I have a lot of questions. But nonetheless, like, even just as a tech demo, it's incredible. It's almost some of the most convincing yes. game footage I've ever seen and it's 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 amazing how just that little bit of wobble and blur and it's actually taking 
detail away that l- leads you to believe the realness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like the subtleties, like even like the reload animation of like the the and the kickback and the recoil, like the swaying of the gun. Well, yeah, for me, it's this. It's this kind of tilt and tilt, wobble. Yeah, because- you don't get that in like. Call of Duty or something. No, because I think it would be very difficult to program along like any kind of competitive gameplay lines where you're you're trying to kind of get those parameters in there and have to compete with that. I can uh-huh. imagine it might be frustrating to play. Yeah. Uh, just as it's frustrating to try, um, you know, to look at this footage in some cases that yeah. it's kind of uncomfortable with this these factors in there it's not it's really weird it's because i've tried to film pov stuff in the past and it's a really weird effect where your neck is incredibly capable and maybe it's something to do with your uh, sensory system as well Mm -hmm. but you don't perceive the world through this wobble it's only once you watch the footage back that you're like wow did it really tilt and wobble that much Mm -hmm. and body cam footage obviously has that in there as well Somehow when you're processing it in real time, you don't really visualize it that way. Yes. You're, you feel cons- constantly stabilized. Mm-hmm. So there is a gap between the way it feels, reality feels to you in real time, and then how it looks when you watch it back, even if it's accurate to how it actually was via a camera. Now, maybe part of this has to do with the two-eye system versus one like a camera being a singular lens and us having these eyes on the sides of our faces, which then merges together to create an image. I wonder to what extent that plays a role, but either way, I mean, the fact of the matter is if you're scrolling social media and you see this footage and it's you just kind of like zoom in past it, this is some of the most convincing video game footage that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. All right, Elon. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? Let's go right into it. <laughs> or did you did you want to talk about the space Yeah, go launch? space first for sure. Okay. Oh, you didn't even have it as a tab. That's interesting. Yeah. What's going on here? Well, it was a really enjoyable experience. Just yeah. how um the play-by-play and also learning about Can, can we get some rockets. audio? Some audio on here? At the base of the super heavy booster. I think we can see those wiggles now. So they had a bit of a delay, um, just like maybe a couple seconds. minutes, and then they had Next started the countdown again. Minus 40 seconds. That is a gate, a decision point. I'm kind of see. Uh, able to hold. Yeah, yeah, just uh, let me like yeah, leave it for a second. It's okay. Able to lift off today. Yeah, on Falcon 9, it's a little bit different. Once we start propellant loading, we pretty much have to go at the targeted time. Otherwise, the propellants can warm up and we may not have the performance for that particular uh, mission profile. It's a little bit different on Starship. If I can interrupt, yeah. It looks like they're clearing all the flags and we're going to release at T minus 40 seconds. That is amazing. The scale of that thing. Yeah. Team working quickly. This rocket will take us to Mars. It's crazy how far away everyone has to stand from it. Uh, They're so far away. They've been doing and prepared them to evaluate this data quickly. I guess it must be uh, precautionary. If it does yeah, explode or course, something, yeah. the debris. Definitely. 
For those of you just joining, we have a brief hold um, at the T-minus 40-second mark. Uh, the team is resolving... It's so frantic. A launch? Yeah. You just and hear the voices and the, the updates. And working that, and it looks like the... They're cheering. They got 10 seconds to lift off. Oh, so much work. So much work. Good. Look at the power. Full screen it. Full screen it, Will. <laughs> oh man, what a unit. kilometers an hour look at it still look at it gaining 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 oh there we go chilling out nope picking back up 600 kilometers an hour here we go we're throttled down and throttled back up 700 going through the period of maximum aerodynamic pressure this is a cool shot just see the thrusters. As the velocity increases, the depth of the atmosphere is decreasing. Max Q. Lessening stress on the vehicle. The call out. Max Q now. Wow. Getting close to, oh, pros for a minute, then just climb like crazy speed. Thousand kilometers an hour. Continuing to watch the first stage as we head down range. Hundred seconds into flight. Next major activity is going to be shutdown of the first stage. Houston tracking station now acquiring the vehicle. With shutdown, we will get separation of Starship from Super Heavy and ignition of the Starship. Two straight minutes of applause. It is so pumped. We light up six engines in a staggered sequence. Almost 2,000 kilometers an hour traveling now. Crazy how it continues to gain speed. Uh huh. So rapidly. Of the Raptor engines on the second stage as we prepare for stage seven. About 30 kilometers at this point. The first stage will flip and begin a boost back maneuver for landing. It is weirdly emotional launching something. I would imagine so, yeah. Or see, or see even us like seeing it. Uh huh. It's it's a it's a, there's a weird Continue emotion. Two minutes forty seconds. Let's get ready for main engine cutoff. I'm alive, Will. You feel good. Oh, eh? okay, okay. It's slowing down now. Here we go. Main engine cut off. Stage separation. Stage separation coming up. <laughs> Rapidly decreasing speed. Totally different sound coming from the coming from the uh, yeah. crowd in the back. So what what's happening now is yeah. once it like levels, it's supposed to break off. Yeah, um, right but now, it we didn't. We are awaiting stage separation. 
Yeah, I did not. No stage separation. should separate from the super heavy booster. Oh, it's so quiet now. Yeah, Kate, right now it looks like we saw the start of the flip, but obviously we're seeing from the ground cameras the entire Starship stack continuing to rotate. We should have had separation by now. Obviously, this is uh, does not appear to be a nominal situation. Yeah, it does. It's not nominal. Spinning, but I do want to remind everyone that not everything nominal. after clearing the tower was icing on the cake. <laughs> Pure optimism. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> It is odd. People in the chat say F. It is Oh, odd. no, it's a major win. They achieved liftoff. That was what they wanted to do. Right. Anything else was no, just bonus. No, it's just funny that they were frozen in their emotion as it sort of... Yeah, they were hoping it would correct itself. There's Elon. Live view there of our control center at Starbase, uh, which we were... What do you, what do you think he's thinking? <laughs> Is he happy or is he not? I like his jacket. As we said before, obviously we wanted to make it all the way through, but to get this far, honestly, is amazing. He doesn't look satisfied. Well, if you're just joining us, Starship just experienced what we call a rapid unscheduled disassembly or a rut during ascent. But now this was a development test. This is the first test flight of Starship. And the goal was to gather the data. And as we said, clear the pad and get ready to go again. So you never know exactly what's going to happen. But as we yeah. promised, excitement is guaranteed. And Starship gave us a rather spectacular end to what was truly an incredible test thus far. As we mentioned at the start of today's program, any and all the data that we collected during the test is going to help us with further development of Starship. And it's going to improve the vehicle's reliability as SpaceX seeks to make life multiplanetary. It's really worth noting that the flight path was designed to be over water and all the air and sea space along with that flight path and those surrounding areas were cleared in advance of the test. And of course, we're gonna be coordinating with local authorities for the recovery operations. But honestly, what an exciting morning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we had a successful liftoff from Starbase, Texas at 8.28 a.m. Central Time. Uh, we cleared the tower, which honestly was our only hope. <laughs> we cleared the tower and all the data that we collected all the way through um, the all those Raptor, those 33, although I think we saw that three Raptor engines were out, um, but we got all that data and I, we got so far as to hoping to see the, the Starship, the second stage, separate from the first stage, the super heavy booster. And unfortunately, we didn't make that happen, but that's okay. It was the first integrated launch. Um, and honestly, today was amazing. <laughs> it's an absolutely incredible day. Uh, we made it through a number of those initial uh, test objectives with getting booster ascent, getting all the way through the countdown, working some issues yep. at the end. Like totally really fantastic tight. day. Got through the gate of T minus 40 seconds on the second try. Everything released, the hold downs, the quick disconnect arms, yeah. everything moves out of the way. And then we got the vehicle off of the pad through max Q all the way up to stage separation, even starting into the prep for stage up. And then as we say, a lot of excitement. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, 
my face has had a smile on it since liftoff, and now my face hurts. <laughs> now, since we don't have any insights on the cause of our rapid unscheduled disassembly at this point, we're going to end our webcast here. Teams will continue to review the data and work toward our next flight test. But before we go, a big congrats to the entire SpaceX team on an exciting first integrated flight test of Starship. And of course, a shout out to our viewers. We appreciate you joining us. And as always, we thank you for your interest in Starship, SpaceX, and your ongoing support. Till next time. Wow. It's so it's so wild, like the the scale and scope of experiments, how you can get to the point that you're just launching like hours and hours of research and work and money and and that you're so confident in your mission that you can applaud uh those like sort of seemingly small gains given the scale of the experiment mm -hmm. like oh, we got the data we're, we just want to get out of the we just want to get the initial part of the launch everything else is a bonus and you're like look at that contraption are you in awe the scope i think it might be a little bit of awe yeah i think it might be a little bit of awe and i think awe is above all else but it's just so limited in availability and incre seemingly increasingly so access to awe and and people optimistic enough to attempt to produce it mm. and but it just goes to show you man it is baby steps over here yeah it says this is it's incredible stuff i mean elon comes on he says congrats to spacex uh on an exciting test launch of starship Learned a lot for next test launch in a few months. And what more can you say? It's uh, e Each one of these things is a step. The size of each step, you're not knowing going into it. You're not certain. And so you have to kind of constantly just chill your expectations. And, and be patient. Yeah, not, not hope that or not even bother, not even bother with a particular expectation. I mean knowing that you've uh, you've done as much as you can for a particular test but also understanding that it's it's a test being comfortable testing being comfortable failing yeah. frequently and knowing so many people are involved for this one singular project it is it is some some Staggering. funny emotional feelings unexpected creep up on you you just see it launching like damn dude <laughs> there's a sparkle in your eye well space is so big we're so small and yeah. it, it gives perspective it is a wild things. wild feeling it might it's hard to know what it means like it's hard to process it but it does it does offer an immediate reflection on the scale on the scale of things and our, our yeah. whatever our our significance or insignificance happens to be yeah and it's important to be with the journey itself and to kind of maybe promote this kind of stuff, you know, because it helps um, understand where humanity's at at this point. Somebody in the chat says, "I want to start. I want a spaceship 
rocket-like thing that can fly out of Earth with ease, like we see in movies. This rocket nonsense doesn't feel cool to me at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, everybody wants to get to that stage, but this unfortunately, the early parts are ugly, and the vast majority of people don't ever really have tremendous exposure to the ugly portion of the development. This is all on display for everybody to watch. It's so big, it's a rocket launch. It's, everyone's going to watch, except these experiments happen in real life, in public eye. A lot of the products and things that we interact with, we do so once it's finished, once the ugly is all gone. Mm -hmm. And in this case, we have been exposed, granted the opportunity to also see uh, the ugly. And to me, it's not really ugly. It's just more what I mean to say the, the unfinished thing. Yeah. I find the I actually find the access to be exciting, and it's always work in progress. Maybe maybe one day you have this uh, fancy ship that moves you around without all the big combustion and so forth. But uh -huh. that ain't right now, my friend. Yeah. All right, so you want to come back to right, Earth with su the suing of Microsoft? Let's yeah, <laughs> talk about Elon Musk threatening to sue Microsoft. So you want right? to go from ambitious let's and optimistic and human, and then you go, why don't we just sue Microsoft? Yeah, Musk threatened lawsuit time after Microsoft's advertising platform announced it would stop supporting Twitter. Is this something to do with the API changes? Elon Musk is threatening to take legal action against Microsoft over claims that the company trained trained illegally using Twitter data. Ah. The billionaire's statement came in response to a tweet noting that Microsoft's advertising platform announced it would stop supporting Twitter, reportedly due to Twitter's changes requiring payment to access its API. So that's what I assumed. Musk's threat is vague, but appears to be over OpenAI using Twitter data to train, which is the same thing Reddit was talking about yesterday. They go, you want to play hardball with us, then we want to talk about the way that you're using our data, uh, OpenAI. We want to we want to suggest that we should get something for that. It's really funny. It's kind of funny because it's like Twitter data is user data. At what point do the users say, hey, we want some payment for our data? It's like, uh -huh. no, 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 no. You signed that away a long time ago. That's our yeah. data now. That's your data that. is our data, and we want to charge other companies for your data. Yeah. That's what we do. Did you see the TOS? We buy and sell. Did uh, you sign it? Yes, you did? Okay. You can't just be out here taking our data and not paying us for it. Elon's holding the TOS. And the people are like, wait, what? Whose data? What data? In a message on the top support page for Microsoft's advertising platform, the company says it will no longer support Twitter starting April 25th, 2023, which means companies can no longer use Microsoft's platform to manage their tweets or engagement. This also coincides with Twitter's timeline to put its API application programming interface behind a paywall. A lot of things happening at uh, Twitter right now. Under Twitter's new pricing arrangement, large companies like Microsoft could have to pay as much as $42,000 per month to access Twitter's API. It sounds like a ton. Microsoft's also big. Mm. I have no idea if that's a ton for them. How many monthly? Uh, but yes, a lot of changes happening at Twitter now, including the the removal of the, of the check marks today as well, right? Yeah, the... Legacy check. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what time it's supposed to occur. I guess it's supposed to happen today. It's the last chance for romance. Yeah. With your check mark. What is this? Dow Jones futures fall. Tesla tumbles as margins dive. Elon Musk willing to push profit to zero. 
well, they keep dropping the prices in order to maintain the demand. They've finally got their assembly lines delivering these things, and then they're like, we got to keep the demand going. We have to deliver. It's a funny flip from where it previously was, where you had tremendous margins but couldn't pump out enough product and... Dow Jones futures fell Thursday along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ. Well, this article is also indicating that a lot in the market was hurt, not just Tesla, but Tesla did tumble as earnings fell on big price cuts with gross margins and free cash flow tumbling. Um, Does it suggest what those alterations in margins were? No, but we have to assume it had something to do with the drop in prices. Well, he was thinking of selling cars at zero margin, like no profit. Because, because um, they're not doing too well in terms of their earnings, I guess. Or that just sounds like they have too much inventory. Oh, otherwise, I mean, you're not going to climb your way out of out of uh, business problems by breaking even. But isn't that what um, they're selling the cheaper cars for? Like they just keep bringing the bright the price down. Correct. Yeah, affecting their margin. My assumption would be that they've got an influx in inventory. They got all these parts sitting there. They manufacture. Yeah, they these have vehicles. to make the vehicles. Well, the vehicles are sitting there in some cases. Are they? I don't know. Oh. Uh, the the my, my point the point I'm trying to get to is you would only come to that conclusion if you had uh, supply demand issue. So if you have if you have at any point more supply than demand and it's not necessarily finished cars it's also the parts that go into those cars Mm. when it comes to supply chain mastery it's like a lot of moving parts in order to kind of track what customer demand is going to be in the future and how to maneuver yourself around it and famously tesla did not has not spent a lot of money on things like marketing so one of the levers they pull or one of the only levers they pull in order to kind of uh, w- deal with fluctuating demand is that price lever. Mm. But obviously this, that price lever has uh, significance when it comes to the, the eventual uh, margin that they're able to realize. So they've got to gotcha. constantly create these shifts and renegotiate supplier prices, keep figuring things out. Mm. Uh, but... I don't know, long term, I don't know. I mean, you might have more sort of macro effects going on in the market where you might have more general slowdowns occurring, which might be hard to combat. But I guess if the if the statement here from Elon, here we go, uh, they fell 21%, revenue climbed to 2331. Uh, it was down from Q4's 24 billion. Major price cuts were responsible for boosting demand, but it was at the expense of earnings and profit margins. There you go. That's the part you were looking for. Mm. Gross margins tumbled 19% versus uh, 23.8 in Q4 and 29.1 a year earlier. So they were they were definitely making more money per unit. Um, auto gross margins, excluding regulatory credits and leases, skidded to 18 from 23.8. And Tesla has said 20% would be a floor for gross margins, excluding credits and leasing. However, obviously, they've gone below that now. Cash flow also tumbles. And uh, there you have it. Mm-hmm. I guess, listen, uh, this is just bi- this is just management stuff. This is trying to cut your losses and... Um, 
keep moving product, obviously, mm-hmm. and and maybe focusing on revenue, maybe maybe prioritizing revenue over margins or profit mm-hmm. temporarily. And then and that coincides with these with those uh, credits as well as an incentivizer. So federal tax credits. Well, it's if you think about it, that's a big shift. If you're piling on their price cuts and at the same time the federal tax credits, I mean, it's definitely never been a cheaper time to have a Tesla. However, at the same time, there's actually never been more competition for electric vehicles Mm -hmm. in Tesla's world. So I don't know what kind of a factor that's playing as well. Mm -hmm. Google launched Bard Chatbot despite ethics concerns. Warnings, it was a pathological liar. (laughs) While both lie, at least get things wrong, and don't really have a tremendous, tremendously thought out protocol for dealing with that. Like, what's it, what's it supposed to say when it gets something wrong? How do you, what do you click? How do you, how does it learn from things that it gets wrong? And which users are capable, super users capable of indicating failure or indicating a false piece of information? Mm-hmm. Google reportedly moved forward with the troubled launch of its AI chatbot Bard last month, despite internal warnings from employees who described the tool as a pathological liar. <laughs> Man, there's something about putting the word pathological in front of liar that makes it sound so evil. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So did he lie to you? Yes, he's a pathological liar. Uh-huh. Oh, terrifying. <laughs> Prone to spewing out responses riddled with false information that can result in a serious injury or death. Good lord. All right. Sounds like a lawsuit. Uh, yeah, maybe they rush it. Competitive code red. Declare a competitive code red. We got to get our product out. Microsoft is flying right now. Let's go. Speed up. Uh, one worker described Bart as a pathological liar for viewing erratic responses, according to a screenshot of an internal discussion obtained by Bloomberg. A second employee reportedly referred to Bard's performance as cringe-worthy. It's not as evil, maybe just not ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one instance, a Google, uh, Bard reportedly answered a prompt about scuba diving with suggestions, which would likely result in serious injury or death. They're like, yeah, take it down. Take it down. About to get sued. Imagine what the disclaimers are going to look like on this stuff. Yeah. This is a digital assistant. Don't believe anything it says. Always consider that the results could be like disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. And like the guardrails must be like a chicken and egg situation where someone asks and then they have to like scramble to fix that. And then more people ask those questions and then they have to fix those questions. It's, um, They're going to have to do it preemptively because it's inevitable that someone's going to get a reply or response that's going to trick it. They're going to aim to trick it. Then they're going to yeah. get the reply and then they're going to aim to uh, hold Google accountable for it. So it's going to have to be preemptive. It's going to have to be people signing away everything in advance in order to use it. Mm-hmm. Like me when I hit the beta for FSD. It's like, yeah, I have no rights anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, Joel in the super chat was asking for later case new colors. What are you thinking? Um, what was or the next textures? one? We were, what was the next one we were trying to do? Uh, we, oh, we don't have a green. 
a green would be sick. Oh, okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like a dark, uh, kind of like when like, Apple had the midnight. This color? Oh, a little darker. A little darker. Yeah. Okay. I think we've gotten close. It's not, believe it or not, some of these things are, are um, not all that common. And then you have to see what's possible as far as dyeing and pigments concerned. Like yellow is hard to do. Mm. Uh, whatever anyway we're look i think we're looking into green next the darker colors are really nice the dark reds dark blues yeah we're pre it's pretty dark yeah. at the moment for yeah. sure oh white you can't do white you could do yellow you can't do oh, white because the fibers to begin with are already darker than that mm -hmm. and in order to to get them lighter they could become more brittle it's a whole deal gotcha uh elevation lab launches new tag vault fabric air tag holder what do i want to put this on like a bag or a jacket or something yeah anywhere the tag vault fabric is as the name suggests made of fabric it features a fabric holder for the air tag along with an adhesive base that can stick anywhere it can mount be uh, luggage purses bags jackets and more that's pretty cool. So the air tag will be tucked away. It'll be secured to what it's attached to, and its presence will be less obvious as it will then blend in with other fabrics. Yeah, instead of having it rattle around. Yeah, we'll have to find some pocket for it, mm -hmm. and, and maybe maybe you don't have that. Or uh, they say the tag vault fabric it can adhere to nylon, polyester, vinyl rubberized fabrics and Gore-Tex and it will reach full adhesion strength after a 24-hour period. So you're going to leave that alone so it can set up properly. It's not designed to work with leather, fibrous fabric, suede, or stretchy fabrics. And while it can be safely removed, it is not meant to be reused. Well, yeah, I know you're going to want to make sure it's in there. Here you can see it attached to a camera bag. I imagine that'd be a pretty obvious place to put one you got all this expensive yeah. camera gear you can slam one in there and i think maybe to like uh the average thief even if they find the location of it they might not immediately know what it is mm -hmm. and oh, i guess they could just boot up their little air tag finder and be like sure yoink see you later you gotta you still gotta hide it reasonably well that's uh -huh. my suggestion it's about 14 bucks for one and a pack of two is 20. A pack of four is 29.95. You can get it from their website or on Amazon. Yeah. How AI is being used to create the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game. The text-based RPG is one of gaming's oldest genres. Thanks to AI, gamers are bringing it back. We were talking about this the other day. This brought me back to our conversation where it was like the YouTube text-based adventure, like choose-your-own-adventure. Mm -hmm. um, AI would be great for this. Right. You know, creating like a story and then branching out to like infinite possibilities. Yeah, because the hardest part with it is creating, is setting up all that variety of scenarios given one particular choice. Is you kind of run out or you get in a loop or there's only, there's no replayability. There's like two mm -hmm. or three ways it can go. It's just a limitation of on the production side of it, of something like this. Now, in text, how much fun can you have in a text based game? Well, it might be a For little readers, might, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but oh they're just saying to make books to write books um in this case it is i think a book it says game well it's text-based yeah text -based so i guess you game. do have to read it yeah um, you're standing in an open field west of a white house with a boarded front door there's a small mailbox here will you open the mailbox or head for the house oh 
So the many choices. Possibilities. <laughs> uh, this was a 1977 text-based adventure game, one of the most famous examples. And so now we go into the AI realm, and you can imagine, as you as you said, it's endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. But how do you play it? Is there like a board? Is it like is it online? That's the curious thing as well. Like, if it, is it on your phone, like a browser? But I would imagine like it would be as simple as that, and then everyone can opt in to play. I would and feel have their own. Adventure. You would want to have some art as well would that Possibly. that could also be ai generated yeah yeah it's like the other day i was messing with uh i don't remember which one it was maybe if it was mid journey or whatever and i noticed that in some cases it can actually take a group of like disconnected uh characteristics and do something pretty convincing huh? as long as you're not too specific about it it's like when you start going when you start trying to get hyper-realistic is where you run into issues. If the game only suggested topics for generation that were kind of uh, f- fiction-y enough, you might uh-huh. buy into it. Yeah. Anyway, is this an example right here? Uh, you are Logan, a detective living in Chicago. You have a pistol and a police badge. You enter the forest where you believe the criminal you're searching for fled to. Suddenly, a man runs out of the trees. He has a handgun and aims it at you. Option one, you point your gun at him and shout, freeze, buddy. Here's the outcome if you do that. He points his gun at you. What should you do? Do you shoot, dodge, or surrender? Freeze, you shout, aiming your gun at him. He fires at you. You use your cat-like reflexes to dodge the bullet. Or you shoot him in the left foot. Yeah, it's, it's so kind descriptive. of... the whole. Honestly, the whole uh, game, I guess, takes place in just basically from the looks of it here a uh, a kind of a text window uh-huh. which is cool but it could be even cooler if you were able to add some art and stuff to it as well and maybe like some sort of time sensitive prompts like in this case you know answer quickly you're like yeah. uh shoot him in the foot uh-huh yeah infinite scenarios that's pretty cool PS5 scalpers are having a hard time selling their consoles. Well, yeah, you hold on to them for a long time, Uh guys. I mean, you had to know they were going to catch up at one point. Mm. Uh, Officially put an end to the stock shortage. Sony put an end to the stock shortage stemming from the pandemic. It's true. I found one, like I told you, I actually bought one in Walmart the other day. Mm. This was like, oh, that's in stock? I Okay, cool. Uh, although I, I need, I kind of didn't get super far in the God of War game. I kind of have to. Okay. Go well, your kids play that. it, right? Or no, we play, play it together. We okay. play together. Once you're playing a game together, you can't really just like play it without the other person. That's uh-huh. rude. Even if it's single player. That's rude. That's like watching the show without the other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then what? You're filling them in. You're like, well, this happened and then that happened and. Basically, I fought Thor, and then uh-huh. I'm kind of like maybe half an hour after that at the moment. Okay. Uh, as spotted by Redditors and The Gamer, Facebook Marketplace has quite a few listings from sellers who are evidently scalpers selling PS5s for as low as 400 bucks. A similar situation is unfolding on eBay, where sellers are willing to part with PS5s for less than 500 
Some Redditors have pointed out that PS5's God of War Ragnarok bundles, which retail for over 500, are being sold under the standard disc consoles MSRP. And this is interesting to note because Sony shipped quite a few Ragnarok bundles to coincide with the game's release. It was around the same time that supply began began to improve. It's true. That's the bundle I got. Yeah. So those are out there. <clears throat> no surprise, the scalping is over. They got to wait for the PS6 now. Mm-hmm. There's going to be too many PS5s available. Uh, this Qatari prince loved photography so much that he bought the world's most expensive camera lens for two millis. Look at that piece of space lens. 1.2 meter long Leica lens. So heavy that the billionaire had to customize a Mercedes SUV specifically to carry it around. <laughs> I saw this lens. I was like, oh, the camera's here. Yeah, this tiny little thing. So it's big, but but the other thing too, to be that big, you got a lot of glass. glass. So you have to imagine the weight of something like this. Yeah, I think it's over 150 pounds. Ultra exotic camera lens. Nothing comes close to this huge one-off Leica. It, one-off, one of a kind. Mm. Leica APO Telet R, one 5.6, 1,600-millimeter lens, fixed focal length. Uh, what are you zooming in at, 1,600-millimeters? Jeez. It can dwarf any other telephoto lens made for civilian use. <laughs> Most expensive lens in the world. Yeah, that's wild. Here we go. Here we go. 1.2 meters in length without the hood, 1.5 meters width. It weighs 132 pounds. It's impossible to be operated by a single person. Has a fixed focal length of 1,600 millimeters and covers diagonal angle of view of only 1.5 degrees. Yeah, you're so zoomed in. It'd be hard to even set it up. Like, you can't even set it up really indoors. You're so zoomed. Like, you You yeah, have to have can, a but... tripod all the time. Well, for sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Hey, look at this, eh? It's a concept. Yeah, what is the point of adding that yeah, to this know. article? Trying to get on Google search somehow by doing that. Have you ever played with any Leicas? Are you a fan of Leicas? Uh, have I? I mean, I'm sure I've played with I don't think I've never owned one. Hmm. But I've probably played with one, held one up. Never mind all the co-branding products that smartphone companies have yeah. been a part of. Cool. An artist uses AI to visualize a clear guitar embedded. Did I just call it a guitar? You sure did. Not a guitar embedded with flowers and people want it. IRL. Hey. It's pretty cool. Yeah. This, I, I honestly think one of the unsung, maybe slightly less exciting AI things is yeah. just this. Just... You would never make this. It's really clever. And it's just... Just the prompt. But also just to mock up something outlandish and then be like, actually, could be cool. And the way that, you know, the light hits it, the rendering, I mean, the you, technical aspect. You definitely it. have... It's very cool. You definitely have guitars that are, like, see-through. They exist. But this one embedded these flowers into it, which is another level obviously and it's not a real thing that exists but i'm not surprised probably put it on social media and people like i'll buy it right now it was similar to when nike put those big puffy cozy things and then people were like where do i buy yeah show me where to buy very comfortable um yeah it's reminiscent of resin art it's when they do all those 
yeah. live edge tables, and then yeah, they put yeah. little knickknacks inside the resin. Are you a big resin guy? Will? I'm a big fan, yeah. I like that kind of art. Big resin guy. Uh, yeah, so let's see here. Put it onto Instagram. What do we get? A couple likes on there or what? Uh, I got a couple of likes. Oh, just a million. Just a quick million likes. It's crazy how NBD. you can just make this prompt. It generates the image. You just post it up online. And then it's like over a million likes. Yeah. Wow. Really nice. I challenged someone to build this. It's going to be really heavy, but it's doable with uh, resin art. <clears throat> you cure, might like this one, eh? A cure for gray hair on the horizon. No, I don't, I don't like that. Need that. <laughs> uh, discover the mechanism for the color change is a breakthrough that could allow us to reverse it. Scientists believe graying is due to the immobility of stem cells could help them find treatments to move cells and reverse graying. What are, what am I doing? I'm getting a stem cell treatment to get rid of my white beard hairs. That seems like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Not really affecting me that much. Uh, a team of researchers has discovered stem cells, which are able to develop into many different cell types, have the unique ability. Yeah, we know about stem cells, and they can go into the hair follicles, I presume. Uh, what do we need to do? What is it? Are we, are we getting uh, injections? What's going on? Regenerate pigment cells. Yes. But how? Uh, scientists from the New York University Grossman School of Medicine made the discovery after studying aged hairs in mice. That's what you do. Hmm. Get the mice. Age them rapidly. Well, that's usually they they, they kind of do that part on their own as well. They age faster than we do, obviously. Hmm. Uh... The study published in the Journal of Nature revealed the number of hair follicles with stuck stem cells increased from 15% in young hair to over half in hair that was older. That's why we look like that. You see that? Nothing wrong with that couple right there. They look great. Look oh, yeah. Look at them for the stock photo. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're flying. Look at, this, look at the nature. Yeah, no? But I would imagine it would be for people who wants to prolong their... Well, people dye their hair. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. guess you don't... But there's to, like a permanent solution. There's a diet anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, we still don't know the mechanism, yet the, the Daily Mail here is writing one hell of an article. They keep repeating the same thing. Our study adds to our basic understanding of how melanocyte stem cells work to color hair. The newfound mechanisms raise the possibility that the same fixed positioning of melanocyte stem cells may exist in humans. If so, it presents a potential pathway for reversing or preventing of graying of human hair by helping jammed cells to move again between developing hair follicle compartments. So how do you administer this treatment? Yeah, okay. I guess maybe injection? I don't know. Or if they're talking about stem cells, maybe just layering it on top of your scalp or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But oh. seems like uh, they're getting closer. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a gray beard right there, you see? Howie Mandel. I guess, I guess Howie Mandel, me and Howie Mandel, we could be the first clients here. Yeah. I, I would be too worried about side effects here. Be like, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> 
Yeah, this was user submitted. Did you see a, the UFO footage recently? That no. Joe Rogan was talking no. about? No, no. Okay, Show me. Well, let's uh, listen to what he has to say. Yeah. The most recent one, there was a woman who was a model who was on a plane. Did you see that, Jamie? It just got released today. Um, she got what they're calling some of the most compelling UFO video ever. She's flying in a plane in this silver thing. They freeze-framed it. It looks like a flying disc. A model saw this? A model. She's just in a plane and filming out the window. And they had seen this thing, apparently, and she's trying to film it, and it shoots by the plane. You know, and I've talked to many pilots who have recounted seeing things yeah. and not being able to explain it. It's like, and we just brush that off. You know, oh, here Watch it is. This. So play this. I mean, what in the fuck is that? So look at that and look at that line. It's up on a 45 degree angle. That is, and the speed that it's kind of moving is the speed that I saw something in only at night. But you have to take into consideration that this plane is moving in a specific direction and the UFO is moving in the opposite direction. So it's so faster. It looks much faster than it actually is. So even if that was like a mylar balloon. If you're passing it that fast, see that thing, I mean, I don't know what you're getting there. Like, is that distorted? Like when they're showing that, that, that image, that to me looks like it's from another fucking world. Like if that's really what it looks so like, it's actually flying like screen, that. Make it full but I don't know if that's a distortion based on the freeze frame of this. You know, you also have to take into consideration what kind of phone does she have? How fast is the camera? Hmm. Is it is it able to pick things? Because there's things that can happen with uh, artifacts, with digital artifacts, when things move very quickly. You get like weird lines that might not, but that looks very distinct. Like but at a certain that, point, play it again. There's hmm. been so many sightings. You've yeah. got to be an idiot to believe. It's so fascinating, man. I love it. So whatever this thing is, it's fast. I mean, uh, if I was a cynic, I'd say, oh, it's a fucking balloon. But it is weird because it's not moving that fast. If the plane is moving, it's a propeller plane. Let's say, a pl how fast do you think a propeller 90, plane goes? 90. So if 100. that was stationary, now let's imagine the propeller plane is going against the wind. So maybe that thing is going with the wind. So whatever that thing is getting blown with the wind current. So it could be a balloon. So if that thing is going 90 miles an hour, just imagine if you're a car, okay, and you're going 90 miles an hour and you're passing someone mm. that's going in the opposite direction on the other side of the highway. They would probably be moving quicker <laughs> than thinking? this. Let's see that again. Back that up again. So watch this thing. So imagine you're in a car, you, you scoot along the highway, and there's a car comes around the turn. I just don't it think it's traveling like that. that quickly. It's probably very slow. It's probably not fast at all. And it might even be stationary. It might just be blowing in the wind. You're right. Because if you picture how fast the plane's going and how fast... The, now, this is obviously assuming that the wind is going in the direction of whatever that, where, whatever that thing is. So this came the, out the today. What, what are people saying about it? But here's the thing. If it's going the opposite, if it's going... If, if actually the plane is, uh, is going with the wind and this thing is going against the wind, then it gets weird. Because then you have to go, okay, well, is, is that plane going fast enough where it looks like that if it's just stationary or if it's just fluttering in the wind? Because you're passing it. So it's kind of tricky when you get that video and you go, oh, my God, it's a UFO. Look at it fly past you fast. Mm, not really that fast. Well, it, more importantly than the speed, you what know, it, that's what I saw. I saw something. For me, it was just lights at night and they moved. Your at, thing. Uh, but that's my different. thing. But that's not. The, but this is but something you can't explain. But your thing sounds like it moved way faster than that. 
It did. Yeah. It did. It, I've never seen anything disappear like that. And more importantly, I have a witness. Yeah. I was sitting there at the same time, and we didn't. We were driving because we thought it was a big accident. Maybe there was a train crash uh, or something. So he's we talking about his own UFOs. No, it's just me and her about midnight, huh? and it was at a, to it? like a north Whoa. of Toronto. We were heading up no? north, but oh. she'll tell you the same story, and we're both not. Okay. You know. So what do you think it was? Uh, an object, definitely an object. I mean, it's an unidentified object for sure. Okay, uh, but that's that's about where it ends. Like, I don't. The scale of it is weird to me. It doesn't. It's hard to gauge distance. It seems not that big, and it seems uh, not not to be moving. It seems to be moving at exactly the pace of you passing something that's sort of just floating uh, there yeah it almost looks like a deflated balloon just passing yeah. the wind yeah. like a, i know a, that's um, probably what everybody's tin. saying not tin well the foil the foil yeah. yeah the the party balloon yeah i know but I, hey man there's a lot of stuff out there there's yeah, there's one can dream right well no i mean this is just one video clip you got like you got those tic tac video clips and yeah. there's all kinds of video clips of unidentified things until something is they got to capture it and inspect it and find rare materials not found on earth and yeah or we can just go after we can just elon can figure out his rocket and we can go find out for ourselves yeah all right last one uh, ai is coming to your fortune cookie yeah I guess you know I've I've what I was thinking about that with fortune cookies because I think it this was might have been a while ago but somebody in my group got a fortune cookie that definitely wasn't a fortune like I don't know what the rules are on fortune cookies is it an emoji or something no it was something negative like not a fortune and I don't know what the rules are I don't know I would love to know the origin of the fortune cookie and whether it has to be something fortunate, you know, with the, whatever they typically say, like, you are well loved by those around you. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, There's some a of history it, of it. Some yeah. of it gets lost in translation, I'm sure, as well. One of the many joys of eating Chinese food is you get the fortune cookie. I want to know who started it. Fortune cookies did not originate in China, no surprise. Uh, it likely evolved from wafers eaten in ancient Japan, but despite the mismatch, they've become a beloved accompaniment to meals from Chinese restaurants in America and Canada as well, for that record. Uh, human writers come up with witty sayings, and it's, I don't know, it's like a fun thing. You eat your cookie at the end. Uh-huh. Now, some fortune cookie makers are turning to technology to make the process a little easier. New York-based Open Fortune. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, my God. Which produces and distributes branded fortune cookies to more than 47,000 restaurants. Recently began using ChatGPT to come up with its phrases. Uh, created by the startup OpenAI. Yeah, we know about GPT. I'm not surprised. Make like Make life easier. Uh, have more variety to the fortune. So you're not like, oh, I got this one last week when I was eating at this restaurant. Uh-huh. Right? There's, I wonder how many in a typical bag that you would buy as a restaurant. There's got to be doubles in there. What the variety is. Uh-huh. 
And then across restaurants, how many suppliers and writers? If you go AI, then it, you might be able to insert some sort of variety. However, you, they could also be t- like come off terribly. It would be a little risk to it. Someone will probably have to proofread them. You'd have to be proofreading. But as we know, that doesn't happen all the time. And something's going to sneak through. <laughs> yeah, I can't you, wait for that one. You will be dead in five minutes. But uh, I know, I probably know your thoughts, but this to me kind of is a bit sad, you know, to have like AI writing some sort of like, I don't know, some creativity in like a fortune cookie. I thought it would be, you know, a nice thing to have because it's a human element writing that little that little thing but it's ai some, taking over it's not it's, something that ever crossed my mind as i cracked the fortune cookie i know yeah I'm like, it's I just one of those things that. where it's just like human made and then yeah it's not anymore that's man that's everything i i hear you yeah. i hear you on that front too <laughs> <laughs> i feel like a fortune cookie now yeah. chinese food Thank you very much to everybody who joined here today. Congrats to those that have launched rockets today. Happy 420, everybody. Everybody who did their own version of launching rockets today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thank you for all the chats and super chats, comments, and otherwise. We would never want to, we would never want AI versions of any of you. We only want the real writers. Uh Uh-huh. The human ones. We value the human ones greatly. Big fan. And we hope you do too, because as of right now, we're not AI yet. See you guys tomorrow. Later.